Honor the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. Be ready against the third day, for the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. Now shall sit bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves, that ye go not up into the mound, nor touch the border of it. Whosoever toucheth the mound shall be surely put to death. There shall not an hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through, whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. When the trumpet sounded long, they shall come up to the mount. Moses went down from the mount to the people, sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, Be ready against the third day, come not at your wives. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and thick cloud upon the mount, and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people who was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the nether part of the mount. Mount Sinai was altogether in a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. When the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount, and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount. And Moses went up. We see here Israel. As they've been freed from Egypt, they're traveling towards the promised land. But God's purpose, and sometimes we're even confused in what God clearly stated, His purpose was not to get them to the promised land, but to get them to the wilderness where they could offer sacrifices unto God. He wanted first to bring them to Mount Sinai, give them his word, his law, and he is going to show up at this moment in a great and a terrible way. And before he's ever revealed as a loving God, here's what we see. God's going to reveal himself as a holy God and a God to be feared. Now, Israel was afraid, and we see that in these chapters, and we know why, because although they left Egypt, Egypt did not left them. We know in chapter 32 that as soon as Moses delayed in coming down from the mount, the people rose up to play, and Aaron created for them a molten calf out of gold, and you just see deep in the nature, not just a man in general, but specifically here in the hearts of Israel, a lot of Egypt in a lack of a fear for God, which he was trying to establish. Now, we talk about fear for God. We're talking about standing in awe of him, honoring, respecting, esteeming, obeying uh, more than anything else in life. Psalm 33, 8 says, let all the earth fear the Lord. Here's what will happen. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Now, I want to preach on the subject this morning of the fear of God, which I believe is terribly missing in the hearts of God's people. We can easily identify it in the world today. You don't have to walk a half a block. You don't have to look at a television set or go online or listen to the music, the filth, the rot, the smut, and the garbage that's coming from this world you, you understand they are without God and as a result, without a fear of God. 
But I want to preach more specifically to the Christian and not just to the churches. This is not a message to churches across this nation. This is a message to Capital City Baptist Church to tell you we have got to restore today in our hearts and lives a holy fear, a biblical fear of God. We've been told that fear is a bad thing. Fear is a bad emotion. For the past 20 years in our nation, you were seeing T-shirts that are printed with no fear. Uh, our youth are being told not to fear anyone. That's why so much stupidity reigns in our nation. Now, here's what we see, a few simple points that we see in this text this morning. Verse 16, it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount. And the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp, what did they do? They trembled. Fear is trembling at the presence of God. You go to the average church. Now, I believe God is omnipresent. We understand that. We're talking about specific presence at a specific time, a specific place. And this is God's house. We understand we are God's temple. And God dwells in us and amongst us. But specifically, when we go to God's house, it doesn't matter where you go today. You walk into the average church and there is such an absence of a fear for God's presence, a trembling at his presence, because there's no real knowledge of God. Here's what man has done. Refashion God, not according to this book, but according to their desires and according to their imagination. And a fear of God would empty out the average church. And here's what you will not find. You'll never find God in an atmosphere where he is not held in utmost respect. You go to the average church and it feels like you're walking into a, a game, a stadium, a, a concert, uh, an event, a graduation ceremony where the majority of people are, are either talking or brought in a frivolous, careless attitude. Uh, there's no thought of God and what is pleasing to God. It is, I hope God is pleasing to me today. And when God came down and met with them, they felt his presence and the people there trembled. Psalms 89 7 says this, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. I want to ask you this morning as we go through these texts. We're going to go through a lot of texts, a lot of scripture this morning. Do you have any fear of God? Has there ever been a point or when was the last time you truly trembled at the presence of God? Because we do not have the philosophy, the biblical philosophy and understanding of who God is. There's a very careless attitude when it comes to his presence. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. Now here's the problem. You can see it in uh, the lack of fear of God has almost led to a license in the heart of the Christian to sin. There is so much sin today in Christianity. Now, I know that sounds like an oxymoron. How can you say Christianity speaks of Christ-like and yet say there's so much sin? That is our goal. That is what we're supposed to be 
heading towards and desirous of. But you know why there's uh, someone will lie, a child will lie to his parents over and over again. There's no fear of God. You know why Christians are in pornography? There's no fear of God. You know why Christians sit and watch television programs where there's cursing and homosexuality and adultery and a mocking of authority and drinking because there's no fear of God. You know why a husband can mistreat his wife? Uh, There's no fear of God. You know why Christians are committing adultery? There's no fear of God. You know why there's disrespect among our youth? There's no fear of God. You know why there's so many hidden sins and open sin. There's no fear of God. You know why people can miss church and not think anything about it? There's no fear of God. You know why we can use his name in vain and Christians will say repeatedly, oh my God is not in a prayer or desire, but rather in a tone that is blasphemous. There's no fear of God. You know why people can come to God's house and never get anything out of the preaching? There's no fear of God. You know why people can act one way on Sunday and be totally different on Monday? There's no fear of God. You know why women can call themselves Christian and gossip and slander on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and go to church on Sunday and look like a Christian? There's no fear of God. There is a total absence today among God's people. You see a disconnect with God's word and uh, his presence. I'm not talking about the average day, but when, when there is supposed to be a preparation for his presence, there's no spiritual preparation that actually brings them to a point where they would tremble. Matter of fact, they've been told by Christian leaders You don't need a fear of God's presence. You don't need to tremble. They tremble more. They would tremble more in the presence of a football player, a soccer star, or a politician than they do in the very presence of God. Look what it says in chapter 20, verse 18. God has given his... Law, the Ten Commandments are found here in the first verse of this chapter. As soon as those are given, look what it says, verse 18. All the people saw thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and they stood afar off. And they said to Moses, speak thou with us and we will hear. But let not God speak with us lest we die. Here's what you see when there's a fear of God. It's not just trembling at his presence. There's a trembling at his word. And Moses, verse 20, said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. Doesn't that sound like a contradiction? Fear not, for God has come to prove you, that his fear may be before you. Now this... Fear is not, when we talk about being afraid of God, when you have sin in your heart and sin in your life, you act as Adam and Eve did in the garden. They hid from the very presence of God. 
a holy and righteous fear is a fear of separation from the presence of God. It's fearful of sin entering into the life that would cause a distancing, a spiritual distancing from the presence of God. And here's what he said. I brought you to this point. I brought you to this mount and I've given you my word so that there would be a fear in your heart at a trembling at my presence and a trembling at my word. Now, church, I need you desperately need you to get that this morning. There is a disconnect in Christianity where literally there's more Bible knowledge and access to Bible knowledge than ever before. If you grew up in church and you're over 50, you know that in the 80s that when preachers preached, sometimes it almost seemed superficial. It was all very practical, but there was an absence of historical context or even context at times, background. And now when the average preacher stands up, instead of preaching the word of God, they sound like Bible encyclopedias. There's such an abundance of information at the fingertips. It doesn't take great study. It takes a computer and a Google search to produce that information. And that knowledge, here's what we have in today's Christianity, an abundance of knowledge, people that can quote scripture, they know from Genesis to Revelation, they've been taught in their youth, they're very familiar with Old Testament, New Testament. And this this generation, previous generation, never spoke about dispensational theology. And now they're, they're studying different books and consider themselves to be theologians. But that knowledge does nothing for you if it is absent of the fear of God. And we have today an age where people know more scripture than ever before, but are less obedient to that scripture than ever before. How can a man have a Bible in his house and commit adultery. How could a family have eight Bibles in their house? And with knowledge of the scripture, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. And yet sit in front of a television that is spewing curse words. Mocking Christianity. Say, preacher, you going to preach against TV today? I'm, I'm going to preach against everything under the sun on a Sunday morning to get you to understand how we have invited sin into our lives with a, an incredible knowledge of Scripture because it's not combined with the fear of God. And when they heard the Word of God, they trembled. Now go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5 for just a moment. We see the giving of the law and God with Moses on the mount. And here's what Moses is going to tell these people. He's going to tell them the fear of God is what will keep you right, obedient to God. Deuteronomy 5 verse 29. Oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would what? Fear me and keep all my commandments always that it might be well with them and with their children forever. 
When we truly fear God, here's what happens, church. We become obedient to God's word immediately. There's an obvious lack of fear of God because you watch people and you hear people say, uh, you know, God's been working to me about that for, for months, for years. And, you know, I, you just told me there's no fear of God before your eyes. Because when there's a fear of God and we see the scripture in the application, there's an immediate obedience and implementation. There's a halting, there's a stopping, there's a reversing, there's a turning, there's a repentance. And I know there are sins that take a while for us to overcome in our lives, but if there is not an immediate reaction to the word of God and Here's what happens when there's no fear of God. People come to church and they sift and they sort and they choose and they argue and they discuss because the word of God to to the average Christian is multiple choice. I like that. I think I can obey that. I think I understand that. And pastors are no longer in the, the business of preaching the word of God. That's way too offensive. Pastors struggle to fill their pews So they filter their sermons. They're determined if I'm going to keep that crowd, I can't offend one of of those people that are coming. Otherwise, they're not returning. Pastors have no fear of God. Look what it says, chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Now, these are the commandments, the statutes, the judgments. Do you guys see these are not optional commandments? Statue, judgment, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land, whether you go to possess it, that thou mightest what? Fear the Lord. Here's the result of fearing the Lord. You'll keep all his statues and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's sons, all the days of thy life. A fear of God combined with the word of God means obedience. The word of God and a knowledge of the word of God without the fear of God means a continuation in disobedience. Now, for obvious uh, enough to see this and honest enough to confess it, anytime we have sinned and continued in that sin, it was an absence or a lack of the fear of God. Here's what God does not do. We see in the Old Testament, there were times when God's hand was much more swift in bringing judgment. Here's what we see in the New Testament. Not the same reaction from God. I believe the punishment is the same. Whether that was death in the Old Testament or God allowing stupidity to continue and devastate the life of a man or a family because of a lack of a fear of God. We, we often think if there's not an immediate visible consequence, God has overlooked that sin. Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, they sell a piece of land. They lie about it. They're going to give an incredible amount of money, which the average person would not do. The gift, the thought was incredibly generous, but they determined to lie to look even more generous. Now, we would say, 
that's excusable. They're given a lot of money. We should recognize that sacrifice. And God says, I'm going to slay them in my house. And as you hear their, th- their heads thud on the concrete and blood begin to run out of the corners of their mouths and the men come in and pick them up and carry them out. You know what it says in Acts 5.11? Then great fear fell upon the church. You know why they lied? There was no fear of God in their hearts. You know what's not being preached in our churches? You know one of the most disturbing topics a preacher can preach is this one right here. You take people that come pretty contentedly to church on a Sunday, but when the pastor gets up and gets specific about the fear of God in the absence of the fear of God, they can maintain the same smile, but in their heart, there's a spiritual anger that's welling up inside of them. When you have a fear of God, there will be a trembling at his presence. There'll be a trembling at his word. Look what it says in chapter 6, verse 24. The Lord commanded us to do all these statutes. To do what? To fear the Lord our God for our good always. You know the best thing you could do in life for your health and for your future? Fear the Lord. On Monday... And Tuesday night and Wednesday morning and Thursday afternoon. On vacation and Christmas, fear the Lord. In public and in private, fear the Lord. Here's what I cannot do. Uh, I preach the word of God. I cannot implement the word of God in your lives. But if I teach you to fear the Lord you will implement the word of God in your life. Look what it says in Deuteronomy 8, verse 6. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his way and to what? You will not keep his commandments even if you know them if there's not a fear of God that comes with that knowledge of the commandments. Psalms 112.1 says, Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. Some people, uh, let me just say this, it sounds like a contradiction. I'm pretty convinced that if you're a member of Capital City Baptist Church, I as your pastor, I'm pretty familiar with you. I can be deceived about who you are and what you do in private. But just knowing my sheep and knowing my flock and our youth and our college age and visiting with you and eating with you and over the period of years getting to know you, I'm pretty convinced that most of our members love Jesus. Now, that's not hard to do when you think about it. You've been saved. Okay, that that was free. You you didn't have to work for that. You didn't have to earn it. You cried out for mercy, and he showered you with mercy. He rescued you from hell. He changed your eternal destiny. He he gave you his Holy Spirit. You're walking in his word. you got a body of believers that surround you. 
how hard is it to love Jesus? Okay. Now, I'm saying everyone on a different level, but I think we have fifth graders that love Jesus, and I think we got tenth graders that love Jesus, and I think we got college students that love Jesus. I think we have singles and married, and I think we have elderly, and I think we got little children that love Jesus. I received some notes this week. I always keep some of those. Some make me smile bigger than others. Dear Pastor, Thank you for preaching so long. <laughs> we need that. I don't hear that from adults. <laughs> I, you know what? I think that came from a heart. I, I don't think a parent was sitting over them saying, it was long, tell the preacher. <laughs> I, I think that came from a heart of a young child, sincerity and simplicity that loves Jesus. My fear is not your love for Jesus or lack of love for Jesus. My fear is, I believe that so many that love Jesus don't fear God. Because you can love Jesus and fornicate tomorrow. You say, Pastor, that's not possible. It is possible. You love Jesus and you know what you did this week. And if anyone tried to tell you otherwise, you would argue until you went blue in the face. But you know what you did? You went from singing the song to fussing in the car. No fear of God. There's a God in heaven that sees all of that. He watches all of that. He hears all of that. And if you had a fear of God in your vehicle, you'd say, we're not going to talk like that. You know why you can walk out of here so excited, praising the Lord. Hallelujah. What a great service. And you go home that night and you're flipped through channels. You love Jesus, but there's an absence of the fear of God because the knowledge of his word connects you to that commandment and says, I'm going to obey that. You'll tremble at his presence. You'll tremble at his word. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Number three, here's what the fear of God will do. It'll help us to hate sin. Now, I'm not talking about the consequences of sin, because here's what most of us do. We hate the consequences of sin. You know what your children do? Hate the consequences of sin, especially if you're a disciplinarian. Especially if there's any correction in the home. You know, most people do. They hate the thought of the consequence of sin, but not the actual sin. Proverbs 16, 6 says, By the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Proverbs 8, 13, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Now, here's what happens. When we truly fear God, we grow in sanctification. It's not hard to identify those that truly fear God. They walk in holiness. I, I don't mean Sunday. I don't mean a holy appearance. I mean true, daily, private holiness. Let me ask you this. How many of here 
can say who I am and what I do in private is 100% pleasing to God. What I do in private is more holy than what I do in public. What I do in secret is more acceptable to God than what I do in men's eyes. What passes through my mind, what goes through my mouth, my habits, my hobbies, my responses, my spirit. Second Corinthians said once says, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Proverbs 3, 7, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and what? Depart from evil. Those that fear the Lord depart from evil. To the contrary, Romans 1 says there's no fear of God before their eyes. That's speaking of the lost. We understand that. But what about the child of God? Psalms 36, talking about those that live wickedly, it says there is no fear of God before his eyes. Let me ask you this. Why, why is it that, that Christians don't endure the, the hardships of the Christian life and live for God until death? Once again, I want to say, I believe there's love of God. There's no fear of God. How many of you had a healthy fear? Now, we could talk about parents, teachers. You, you know why our schools are out of control? Those children have no fear of authority. They know authority have their hands tied. They can do nothing. That's why we have children, literally students, assaulting teachers in the classroom. Children assaulting their parents. There has to be, at, how many of you have ever been to Niagara Falls? You go there, I remember preaching Brother Gamler several times. We went over there, sometimes it was iced over, sometimes it was absolutely just roaring, rushing water. There, there's a healthy fear that says, I, I, I don't want to be on top of that, I don't want to be boating over the edge of that. I don't want to be directly underneath that. That's impressive, but I know my boundaries. I stand in awe. I stand in respect, and I want to be appropriate so I'm not hurt or damaged. Does that make that unhealthy? No, that's a very healthy fear. And when it comes to God, there is a disconnect and it's not just trembling at his presence and trembling at his word. It will saturate us with a love for that which he loves, a hatred for that which he hates. And here's why Christians don't hate sin. No fear of God. Churches, I'm talking about Christianity in 20. 23. And if you can see it in the church house, okay, the, the, the most holy moment and holy location of their week, the most holy environment of their week, and there's no fear of God. There won't be any on Monday and Tuesday and the rest of the week if there's no 
fear of his presence and fear of his word and hatred for sin, when we can bring the sin of this world and now in churches, every sin under the sun in the world is being brought in the church and on display from the dress to the music to the philosophy, the conversation, the speech, the communication, everything in the church has now been defiled by that which is in the world because the fear of God is so absent that you see it in the very hour and moment that is supposed to be the most obvious in the fear of God. Now, here's, here's what's going to happen. When we fear God, we tremble at his presence. We tremble at his word. We hate sin. But did you notice what we saw? Go back to chapter 4. Something obvious here that we need to see. It will motivate us to teach that to our children. And here's why it's so obvious that we have failed in our churches. Because the next generation is is even further and more distant and more obvious in their absolute lack of their fear for God. You know why it's hard for a pastor to trust what a youth is doing in private? There's no fear of God. If you find a youth that fears God, there's an absolute confidence no matter where they go. They'll be doing the right thing. But when there's a lack of a fear of God, there's also a confidence that they'll be doing the wrong thing. Why would you think bad of me? Because of the absence of the fear of God. The fear of God is not something hidden that no one else knows or sees. I thank God when I get around people that have the fear of God. I thank God for a mom and a mother-in-law that had the fear of God. And I'm telling you something about my mother-in-law. I never, not, not one day, have I ever been concerned about, about her living by herself. Or what's going on in that house? Not, not, not one moment. I remember uh, several years ago during COVID, the, this was actually the one short period of my life that on Sunday's afternoon, I was actually able to go home and eat with my family. And Kimberly and Osk and, and the rest of the family, we would all join together after service and eat together. Magical moments, great memories. Mom, Edmonds, was at the table one Sunday afternoon, and she had that look that you see on the face of a seven-year-old that's just stolen a cookie off the counter. <laughs> and I got very suspicious. And after we finished eating, I addressed my mother-in-law. And I said, Mom, I don't know what you've done, and I don't know if I need a confession, and I am your son-in-law. I'm not your priest, but is there something here that you want to tell us? Do you have a boyfriend? (laughs) Did you just get engaged? Can we see a picture? Are you moving to Hawaii? Can can you let us know what's happening here? And and she said, you know, I went in and I was trying to get my phone fixed and I was getting help and they they sold me an iPad. I said, you have an iPad? She said, yes. I said, congratulations, what are you going to do with it? 
Now, I suppose that she learned and someone in the family helped her figure that out and it was of some use. I don't know if I've seen it since then, but I imagine it was of (laughs) some use. Guess what? My concern was her smile, not her sneakiness. But guess what? I, I wasn't concerned one day, one moment, what she might do with that internet connection. Not, not even, it never even crossed my mind. You know why? There's a fear of God that's obvious, Amen. that permeates who she is and what she does. But why don't my parents trust me? They don't see in you a fear of God. Now look what it says here. Chapter 4 of Deuteronomy Verse 9, only take heed to thyself, keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, lest thou they depart from thine heart all the days of thy life. But here's what the fear of God motivates us to do. What's it say? But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons, especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said to me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to what? Fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth. And what is the result of that fear that they may teach their children? Here's how you know a parent fears God. He teaches his children to fear God. Here's how you know a parent does not fear God. He does not teach his children to fear God. If I fear God, I understand this has got to go to the next generation. Their salvation is not learning how to lead songs or memorizing verses. Their salvation is taking the scripture and their walk with God and adding to that the fear of God. And this world has so convinced us it is a bad thing. That is satanic in nature. Now, I know this is a subject most don't like, especially in 2023. There's no wonder there's an absence of the fear of God because there is no correction in our homes. Because parents in this generation actually think that they're smarter than God and His Word. So because sin goes endlessly unpunished, that heathen heart that that child was born with is never taught to know God and to fear God. My dad only punished me a couple times in my entire youth. But you know what that did? It established a fear of God. He did it appropriately. Not excessively, not out of control, not unbiblically, not incorrectly. Very, you know when the last time you heard something like that preached in a church? 20 years ago. 30 years ago. Why don't we just observe what's happening in Christianity? 
today's Christianity is more pitiful than last year's worldliness. When, when you take a picture of this world in the 60s, in the 50s, in the 40s, you, you look at sporting events and the men were all wearing suits and the yep. ladies were all wearing dresses. That didn't make them holy. That's right. There, the problem in schools was gum under the desk, yeah. not drugs yeah. in the bathroom. Someone's, uh, a young lady would have their pigtail pulled and now they find themselves raped in a place that's supposed to be offering an education and security. You know why? There's an absolute destruction that has taken place of the fear of God. Not in the world, but in the church. Because parents have never sat down. They've taught them verses and had them uh, do their homework in the school. And they made sure that everything was appropriate. And they had their offering, their Bible for Sunday school class. But there was no personal instruction from parent to child on Monday and Tuesday about the fear of God. Look what it says, chapter 6. We read verse 2, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments. He says, verse 3, Here therefore, O Israel, observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God's one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, thy soul, and thy might. Verse 6, These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt do what? If you fear him, what will you do? Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. If you do the math, that's four times a day teaching them the fear of God. You know what he said? The first thing that should happen when they wake up, he said, when they get up, help them understand the fear of God. And when you sit out at a table and you eat together, teach them the fear of God. And when you're traveling in the way, and that's an extended period because most of us have to travel from Kyle, Buda, Leander, Round Rock, San Antonio. You got 30 minutes Some of you hate traffic. You know why you despise it? It's an extra 20 minutes for those kids to fuss at each other. And God said that's supposed to be instruction time to be teaching them the fear of God. He said before they lay down at night, you pray again. Here's I, I wouldn't do devotions. You say, say preacher, I'm supposed to have devotion four times a day. No, it's amazing what you can do through a single phrase, a single sentence, a single thought. I remember my mom praying one time. You want to talk about putting the fear of God. I I remember mom disciplining her kids, and when she got done, she's correcting, and someone was still lying. And she prayed. She said, God, someone in my house is a liar. And I don't know which one it is and why they're doing it. But God, if they continue to lie, if you just go ahead and kill them. I was like, man, I'm so thankful I'm not the liar in this case. My heart's still beating. I'm still breathing. You say, I don't don't think a a parent ought to. 
You, you, know what, you know what happened? Because you facilitated the lying. You've overlooked the cheating. You've justified the disobedience. There's an absence of the fear of God. And when a parent truly fears God, God says it'll be obvious because they'll be instructing and teaching their children to fear God. Look what it says in Proverbs 14 and we'll be done. You want your kids to be wise? What's the Bible say is the beginning of wisdom? The fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 14, 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Young people, I'm going to close by telling you this. Even if your parents have not taught you to fear God, you better learn it. Life is long and it's difficult. Life is hard. But if you're stupid, it just makes it harder. And stupidity is the absence of the fear of God. And young people, if you want to drink from the fountains of life, if you want a good life and a good marriage and a good home, you fear God. I grew up with kids in this church and kids in a Christian school and young people in a Bible college. And some knew the fear of God and some didn't. And that's what distinguishes long term between tragedy and triumph, joy and sorrow. And you look back now at the devastation that sin creates, divorce. Maybe even living under the same roof, but hating each other. Addictions. Despair, despondency, depression. And church, I'm just asking you this morning. This morning, we do our invitation with our eyes wide open. I don't believe there's more important invitation, and I don't care who's upset this morning. I, I truly, with all my heart, I do not care. My only concern is that I guide this church in understanding the fear of God. As our pianist comes this morning, if you say, you know what? I need a greater fear of God. Why don't you just get up where you're at, come down here to this altar and say, oh, God, I want to live with a Bible, a Bible fear of God that restores his presence.